Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This shows a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive screw-ups, <laughs> as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. All right, everybody, welcome back to Orange Crushing It. This is my interview series. I am Frank Clark, CEO of The Mr. Orange, and... I, you know, I always say I'm really excited. Every single show I started, I was the same way. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> but you know what? Today, I really am. I'm excited. I'm excited again. I'm, I guess I'm a happy guy. Pretty easy to get along. <laughs> Pretty easy to excite. <laughs> I'm excited today because I have a really, really good friend on with me. This guy, you're going to really like him today. He is uh, a guy like me, likes to bust balls and likes to have fun. My buddy, his name is Mike Nitty, and Mike has been influencing, enhancing the lives of people for over three decades. He is hailed as a premier coach, and I will vouch for this. The few times that he saved my ass, uh, got me <laughs> some little mental jams. He's worked for one of the top global coaching companies, and he's also been an executive in many positions with several other industries. So he's a bit of a jack of all trades. You know, he's, he's definitely uh, street smart. He's had over 35 years of transformational coursework, which I'll probably pry into what exactly that means, and, and helped to shape the lives of over 100 clients a month, over 100 clients a month he works with, which I think is just crazy wild. That's some amazing numbers of people that you're getting involved with. He's been involved with the executive team at Tony Robbins. I hope you guys all know who Tony Robbins is, the big guy with big teeth and just big hands and a great motivational guy, Somebody, definitely one of my mentors, if not the biggest. And Mike's been involved with him since 1997, which is the same year I got started drinking the Tony Robbins Kool-Aid. <laughs> I did all, and he worked on the executive team until about 2005, where he became a master coach for Tony's Platinum Group. And that's not a small statement. I mean, Tony has a, a group of people that really are the, the, the high end financially and uh, spiritually and, and mentally. These guys are just like really the top notch premier of a lot of the people that work with Tony and, you know, they get together many times a year and deal with some of the top financial advisors in the world, some of the top spiritual leaders in the world. And Mike coaches the coaches, they coach them. So, I mean, big, big, big title. And, you know, obviously Tony trusts him implicitly to do this kind of stuff. In 2010, he published a book called the trophy effect, which I've read. I highly endorse, you know, it's a book pretty much if I could summarize it a little bit about, the trophies we collect, and they're not always the good trophies. We have seem to have more of the, I'm a dickhead, I'm a problem, I got something going on with me, you know, <laughs> trophies than some of the good ones. But Mike is a great guy at, you know, at teaching people about this stuff and getting people to transform from that and really focus on the, the better trophy rooms in your life. He lives in Las Vegas with his wife, Julie, who's a sweetheart angel, keeps his ass in line, I guess. <laughs> he literally, to me, is the Bill Belichick. This is a tall statement, by the way. He is the Bill Belichick of coaches. Okay, oh, Bill oh, Belichick oh, of coaches. Oh, That's Hall of Fame oh, shit, okay? And I would not throw that around me, okay? <laughs> All right, that's a, that's a big, big statement. And again, he's a good friend. I like busting his balls. He's a man with a face for radio. Mike Nitty, welcome to Orange Crushing It. 
<laughs> That's why I sit so far away from the goddamn camera here. It's like the farther away I sit, maybe you know you'll think it's a radio program. Anyway, what a privilege to be here. Yeah, this is really fun. So uh, what can I say? I, I'd have preferred maybe if I was the Tom Brady of coaching, but let's not push it. Let's <laughs> give <laughs> baby steps. Okay, come on. I gave you Belichick. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being part of the show. It's called Orange Crushing It, and I know. Mike calls himself Mr. Yellow, not Mr. Orange, but Mr. Yellow. So I'll give you guys a little bit of background on this whole orange-yellow color thing. <laughs> and how I basically started wearing this, this hat and this moniker was uh, doing a Tony event where he talked about spiral dynamics and the different levels of consciousness. And not to go in a lot of depth on this, but as you ascend through these levels of consciousness, you become more outward-focused in the world, really. That's pretty much the in a nutshell, what summarizes it. And each level has a certain number associated to it and a different color. And there are eight levels of this thing. And at level five, which is the first level that you start caring more about other people than yourself, really, is the level orange. And people that are, you know, level orange are, for the most part, very driven entrepreneurs. They like to thrive. They like to win. They're overachievers. They like to accelerate. They tend to bend the rules, maybe. They're very scientific. They they're go-getters. They are real go-getters, but they're very profit-driven also. They like to have the status that goes with that. And, you know, they like to show off a little bit. They're all about their little significance. And so nice car, a nice boat, and a nice shirt. <laughs> you know, we're not too, not too proud to, or too humble, I guess, to show that stuff off. Where you get up into the yellow category, which Mike professes to say that he's at, and I believe him, is you become more of a contributor. You know, it's, it's less as important about your profits and less important about your personal accomplishments as it is to, to glean the, the accomplishments of others. And you thrive more in seeing other people grow and being successful. So why you're hanging out with me, Mike, is still a challenge to me, but <laughs> because I think deep down, you really are an orange, but that's okay. <laughs> Did that summarize kind of, you know, that the... Really good. That was really good. But I noticed you have to go through orange to get to yellow. Yeah, but here's the thing. You are so firmly orange. You forget that you're also yellow. I got some yellow, you know. I got a lot of yellow. And so, and I got a lot of orange. But there's some things you said there that I want to talk about because, yeah, you want all the accomplishments, all the achievements, you want the nice cars, all that good stuff. But it's an expression of something. It's not the ego. You know, it's not the ego. You don't do that for ego. You do it because it's an expression of your magnificence, an expression of that you, you put yourself out there at a high level. You take the risks. You Because you coach as well as anybody else, and you can, get, you can inspire people as much as anybody else. So it would be a lie to suggest that it's not for others. You know, it's not about others for you, too. So it's, it's both. And, yes, you probably gravitate toward choosing to, you know, put the orange out there a lot more and even have fun with it than not. What I do, when I'm working with my hiring clients, you know, if I didn't meet them at their high level, I don't care how many hundreds of millions they're worth, and I was just freaking consciousness all day long, they'd appreciate that, but you got to meet them where they are. And, and I certainly, I, I, I got a couple of nice cars. I live in a really nice house here in Las Vegas overlooking the mountain. So, so I'm not one of those spiritual guys that sit around and go, Oh, you know, and then I, I actually charge for my coaching, believe it or not. So. You know, oh, hundred dollars, oh, make it happen. <laughs> oh, pay my more. I do not make meditation wrong or anything having to do with any way you seek out that which is allowing you to see more truth and step beyond your ego. But you can step around your ego, you know, simply by being your outrageous, amazing, associated to the greater good self. 
you know, just putting it out there, playing at a high level, not surrendering to, oh, my God, should I say that or am I not good enough for this or what would they think? No, there's none of that going on, just like it isn't for you. There you go. Yeah, it's not totally. I mean, obviously, I have a lot of fun with this and, you know, we have we make fun and all that stuff. But you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, both of us are very outward driven and we're both very focused on outcomes of other people because that's how we know. Look, that's how you can measure success. Right. When you look at other people and go, look, your life was better because I inspired you, coached you, taught you, make you laugh, whatever it is. You know, if you can leave somebody in a better position when they're done talking to you or done being with you than they were when they started, then that's an accomplishment. And that feels good. You know, and that's an intention. Too. That is an intention. It's not like, well, gee, I hope that happens. That right. is the intention. You know, when you and I make jokes or when you, you show up somewhere and be the light of the party, that's just not to put the light on you. That is causing others to feel good about themselves. It's, it's like, if I can do this, you can do this. If I, you know, it's, it's like that. It really truly is. So uh, oftentimes, you know, some of my coaching includes working with some people where we got to take the broomstick out of their ass. Because they're not bringing their humor to the party. You know, they just, and I, I know they got it. And it's not like, well, okay, well, you've got, you got to be funny. But seriously, sometimes, and you also got to be funny appropriately. And you got to do it in conjunction with whatever it is you're coaching and teaching. But it's, a, it's like a built-in pattern interrupt, for one thing. Because everybody seems to just take themselves too freaking lightly. I mean, too freaking, you know, seriously. too freaking on purpose. Too, they're too full of themselves. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge. So. It's a challenge. And, you know, you coach 100 to 125 people a month, okay? Sessions. 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 Okay, that's still a lot. Probably, a lot of sessions, right? Probably 40, 50 different people, maybe. Oh, yeah. It could be, could be 99. It could be one person. It could be me. I just take up all your time because I'm a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if coaching 100 to 125 clients or, or sessions, like you said, in a month, right. Right. let me ask you a question. Is everybody coachable? Well, the ones that make it to me are because they're usually not going to spend that much money or they would have already been through some programs. And I'm privileged to get the ones that are pretty much coachable. Do I ever run into some that aren't? Absolutely. Yeah. And if, but also, even on my private <clears throat> clientele, I have a, a call up front with them, a trial call. And I will judge there whether or not they're, they're, they're coachable because I'm not interested in taking somebody on just because they can throw money at. So when during that call, I have discovered some people that I've told them outright that this is going to have to shift and we're going to be going here and you're going to have to let go of that. But then you wouldn't have come to be coming to me if you didn't want to anyway. So are you willing to play? And I don't think I've ever had anybody that said no. And then when they did get to the call, the first call, it may take a couple before they really get that they have to surrender into being coachable. Sure. I don't, I don't think anybody's also, going to want to admit that they're not coachable. But, you know, well, I, I admit it for them. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep raising the price till they go okay i'm uncoachable your uncle i'm out <laughs> but it's a part of the coaching process to make sure they're clear that one of the reasons they're probably coming to me is that people in their life don't think they're coachable either in other words it's all yeah. about them they know everything everybody else doesn't now here's the distinction you don't get to be anything in life you don't get to be strong-willed you don't get to be an entrepreneur that makes shit happen you know, unless you're very self-confident but there is a fine line between being self-confident and being too full of yourself and having it be about others and be supportive of others who are the ones you need in your life to be able to get you more anyway. If you're right. of and the reason they're too full of themselves or they're not coachable or they just want it to be their way is they've succeeded by being that. And so they don't, they don't know how it can be anything else and still be successful. But that's what I teach them. And we get them to get the, guess what? Everything that you've got so far, 
and how you're being that's a little too full of yourself or not coachable, that did cause you to succeed, but that's not why you succeeded. They think it is. Right. So I get them to see, I draw a distinction between what that was and, and what really caused it. And then they're able to you know, surrender into, you know, being more, you know, more of you know, human, more loving, more caring, more whatever, and not sacrifice what caused, you know, you're a perfect example. You'd be able to make fun about being orange and it's all about, you know, what you're achieving. But I don't know anybody who, you know, can make somebody feel better about themselves or have more fun in your presence. So that's what it's, you didn't have to sacrifice driving the Tesla to be a nice guy. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you on that. And, you know, um, what I'm kind of hearing you say also is some people, despite their level of success, right, kind of have this mantra, if it's not broke, don't fix, don't change it, right? If it's, if it's don't change it, right? It's, this, is, this is working fine, even if it's destructive. Oh, this path I'm going on is totally destructive. Yes, but I'm succeeding. I'm still making money. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of bending the rules a little, you know, outside my integrity, which is definitely not something we want to promote or anybody like that, right? But th- again, they, you can tell yourself a lie long enough and, and repeat it enough times that you start believing it's the truth. And, you know, how do you break somebody, not break them, I guess it's not the right words, but how do you get, get influence them to get to the point where they go, you go, look, it, you're successful. I get it, right? You know, let's face it, you, you work with a lot of high-profile people. You work with Hollywood actors, actresses, you know, athletes. And when they start getting a bit of fame, and I think this is true for anybody, especially at a young age, though, you start believing almost the character that you portray. You start almost becoming like, like you can't fail. You, you're, you're invincible. Everybody loves you no matter what you do. You can screw up totally, right? You can get drunk in somebody's bar and pass out on the floor, and they're like, oh, he's such an amazing guy. Oh, yeah, we love him. We love him trash your cards, be rude. And people are still paying you money to show up at their place, right? To be in their presence, that, that whole status kind of thing. And yeah. when you get clients that are like that, what's your, you know, what's some of your techniques to, you know, besides waterboarding and other techniques that you use? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the first, to be honest, those people usually don't come to coaching because they don't need anything. They, they don't come to coaching. They really don't. But yet, do I get people who have been successful and are at a level where they, you know, they got a little bit of that going? Absolutely. You know, more recently, and I get to be part of that, you know, Tony coached Conor McGregor, you know, during the, he just won this big championship. And, and before that, Conor McGregor admittedly was a bit of a not, a, a, you know, a, a sociable guy. He was, you know, but it's also why he was the way he was. He right. just beat the shit out of you. And he didn't go over and congratulate you with, you know, the fight or anything. He was just that. Well, he had lost when he got knocked out, when he got beat, he went down and he didn't know how to bring it back because he could only bring it back from the fact that he was Superman and now he wasn't Superman. So Tony worked with him with, you know, you know, some of the dynamics that we teach and, you know, with the four uh, archetypes and he got him to be able to become more of everything, but not sacrifice the warrior. He was just being a warrior before. He wasn't bringing a magician and a lover. He didn't, I didn't need that shit. I was winning by being a warrior. Well, then warrior didn't, pure warrior didn't work. Right. So what I do is I acknowledge the warrior. I acknowledge the warrior with all those kind of people you're asking about. Because we don't want to minimize the warrior. We just want to marry it to the magician and the lover and the, the sovereign where they own what they're doing more rather than just putting that big personality out there. So we get them to see that they don't have to sacrifice that bravissimo, you know, or if it's a woman, anything she has going on of the equivalent. Yeah. And that there's more joy in life because they're just afraid they're going to have to lose what they got. <laughs> You're going to change them. You're going to take that away. Right. And I said, no, we're back. We're going to enhance that shit. So 
that's one of the ways. That's not well, you know, a lot of people, their self-expression equals their self-worth, right? Financially, tie everything together. So if they're not being successful, they're not winning. They're not, you know, obviously they, it slams them in the face of what they're doing. You right. mentioned the four archetypes. You mentioned the warrior and the lover and all that. Just for the people that don't have any clue about what that means, in a nutshell, what, are that, what exactly does that mean? You're bringing your warrior to the party. You're bringing your lover, your magician. First of all, when you're, you're either showing up in life, just kind of like going through the motions, doing the best you can, taking advantage of what you can, but kind of like just, you know, just being a little laid back, just, you know, not wanting to get in trouble, wanting to do enough to be successful. Most people are almost like a leaf in the wind. And then every once in a while, you, got, you grab out of stuff and you got some purpose. But then for the most part, you're kind of like saying, I'm trying to avoid stuff. I don't want to own more than I need to own. I want to play in the background, grab what I can. So anyway, you're, you're not really living on purpose. When the truth is, what I do is I make sure everybody's clear that you're either living that way or you're living on purpose. You're living with an intention. So right away, I get people to see that no more leaf in the wind shit. Even if there's places where you're not, we're going to make sure that you don't do that ever. You get up in the morning, you are the wind. Okay, so you're living on purpose and you're bringing an intention to the party. You're bringing your full intention. You don't do anything by accident. All right, when you're doing that, you're showing up in four different ways. You're showing up, first of all, from your king or your sovereign, which means you're now owning the fact that you're even living. You're owning it. You, you don't you know, walk through a grocery store parking lot and there's a paper cup on the ground. You just don't walk past it. You pick it up and throw it away. Oh, you may not. You're in a hurry. So it's not doing something like for the greater good or because you're a good institution. It's because you just own everything in life. You know, you'll compliment people you see walking by because you own that. Like, oh, I'm not going to get involved. And most of us are walking around you know, in life like, it's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. <laughs> yeah. So that would be the first archetype would be to own your life, own what you're doing, own your relationships. Oh, you know, not one foot in and one foot out. I'm not sure yet. Right. There's a problem right there. So own what you're doing, that would be the king. Then what you do is you bring a second masculine to the energy to the party, which would be your warrior. And it is masculine. Even if you're a woman, you're bringing that masculine, you know, refusal to not, to not make it happen. You know, to, you know, refuse to take no for an answer. That is very entrepreneurial and very warrior-like, okay? And, mm-hmm. But you don't do it from a hard-ass place. You can do that from the softest place in the world. You can be the most feminine woman on the planet and still come from... No, you don't understand. We really need to do it this way. And I promise you it'll work out. And, you know, if you just, you know, if you take, if you promise this product will serve you and, you know, and don't make me leave here without, you know, you having the advantage of what it might be. I mean, I want to, so soft, but she refused to leave without the sale. Right. Totally. (laughs) She brought warrior to the party. And then the other two energies would be magician and lover. And you can imagine lover is nothing more in the, in the practical sense. You're not, you know, making love to everybody you meet and you're not being this airy fairy lovey thing but it it truly is a a love you feel in your heart for your fellow man but it mostly shows up as compassion so the lover is when you show up with compassion for everyone that would be your lover and we could go on forever about that and that's not going to teach it in five minutes i wish i could but the next one is important and that would be the magician and the magician is the one that you can't you can grasp the king, you can grasp the warrior, you can grab, grab the lover. But the magician is purposely ungraspable because it is the energy that flows through you from the universe. Okay, that's the spiritual part of what I teach, where I'm always connected. When it, I don't know what I'm going to say next. It flows through me, okay? Which it does with anybody when they're in that state. When you can really bring yourself to that state, that flow state, okay, the magician is flowing towards you, through you. So first of all, you're not going to be able to access the magician unless you surrender into a state where you don't have to know it all and you're just trusting and having faith 
that what you need to say will come through you. That's the magician. And the way you bring it through practically might be where it's like, you know, making sure that you're always making it about somebody else. You compliment somebody, you acknowledge maybe a serendipity that happened, or that might be even the way you met somebody, but that would be a long conversation. But the bottom line is the magician is important. And mostly it's born of just really trusting that you wouldn't even be in front of this person you're talking to if some energy hadn't caused you to be together. And you honor that. You honor the magician. Got it. Got it. If I could summarize it in a New England fashion, the king would be Robert Kraft. Okay. This guy walks into the room and he is a confident mofo, right? He is, he is on point. Okay. He, is he, is, he walks around Gillette he Stadium. He don't he waste any time. He knows what's going on. He knows it all. The warrior, okay, would be Tom Brady. Tom Brady shows up. He can be, you know, finesse, but he can be a leader on the sidelines as well, right? We say Tom Brady is a flexible. He's, he interviews well. He doesn't talk bad about anybody. He's a lovable guy, okay? Then you have the lover, which is Giselle, really. Behind the scenes of every great guy is a strong woman as well. And... <laughs> And she brings the feminine to that relationship. And of course, we know who the magician is. That's Bill Belichick, who makes anybody good, no matter who he puts on the field. And everybody's like, how the fuck does he do that? Right? Would this be a practical example, that, Mike? Cool. Of That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But here we'd be if I was coaching Belichick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I would make sure he's clear. That here's, but here's the way. If you're ever going to succeed with any of those, most of the people who do succeed with one. And they don't see a reason to bring the others. So, you know, Belichick is, he may, he's a magician, but you notice there's not a whole lot of lover present. There's not a whole lot of, he's really not a warrior. He is intellectual and he is driven and there's warrior there. There's definitely warrior there, but he doesn't pound on the, he doesn't dominate everything. In fact, he's more of a soft-spoken guy. He wants to own what he owns. Everybody else should take care of what you're taking care of. I own it if it has to do with football operations and the people, but I don't want to even worry about something else. You cut the grass. I don't want to worry about cutting the grass. Do your job. That's it. So he does. So he is absolutely, you said, he is the magician. But it's hard. It's it's difficult to use him as an example for magician because I don't want anybody walking away going, oh, I just got to be like Bill Jolichek and I'll be a magician. I don't have to smile at anybody. (laughs) I don't have have to answer any press conference. We're on this. That would not be pure magician. So he is a magician. (laughs) And there's aspects of magician that 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 guy does not bring to the party. But you can't argue. That he is a magician. Well, we'll see how much of a magician he is this year. Well, that's right. Without his warrior. Without yeah. his warrior. Warrior and lover. They're both in Tampa warrior Bay now. So. Oh, you mean Giselle, Giselle didn't stay in New England? I didn't oh, know. no, no, no. She's not like Melania Trump. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not going to Washington. I'm staying here in New York. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. <laughs> it's fun to understand it, but obviously what I do with my clients is it's an entire couple sessions where, and then it never, we, it's always there. I don't teach something and then that's it. It's like a lesson. Right. It permeates the entire coaching process. And I've had coaches, I, yesterday I was with my attorney I've had for 12 years out of San Francisco. And we were still talking about this particular thing he's going through right now with the virus and everything that's going on in San Francisco. He needs to bring more magician. But I don't just say bring magician. We talk through what that would look like. What does he have to surrender into? How do we bring that to the party? So, right. oh, it's good stuff. So, well, thanks. Thanks for explaining that. Because I have, I do, I have a hard time sometimes understanding. I've heard you explain it a few times. I'm still like, where am I today? Am I a magician today? Am I a- you bring them all to the party. You really do. So you don't, if you're just living on purpose with an intention, right. 
and you also bring some humor to the party and you, you don't, you know, and you, and you kind of just intend that something happens and then something shows up. Magician is also about being aligned with synchro destiny, where you just know that, that whatever you need is going to show you just happen to go to a party and the person you meet, you need for the next thing you want to do in life just happens to be somebody you get introduced to. Isn't that how you met your wife? A synchro destiny yeah, moment, everything, if you would? Everything in my life has been synchro destiny. Meeting Tony, meeting you, everything has been synchro destiny. I take so advantage. I smell. I even see across the room a possibility, and I am on it. And uh, because I knew it wouldn't be in my vision, it wouldn't be even in my, you know, in my energy if it wasn't something I needed to take advantage of. You know, that, that takes a lot of courage, though, too, doesn't it? I mean, you, have, you have, first of all have to recognize that everything is an opportunity. Everything, right? At some level, right? An opportunity to avoid and learn the lesson, an opportunity to avoid and stay safe, an opportunity, though, to succeed or excel. But, you know, to find those distinctions, to be able to go, because what you said is a key point, right? Synchro destiny, you know, some people might listen to this and go, well, what is synchro destiny really? Is, 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 we'll call it luck. Well, you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. You were born genetically with the right DNA, right? Harnessing the power of coincidence, yes. It is part of the power of coincidence, right? Wasn't it? Was it Deepak Chopra that that really coined this phrase initially? Yes, Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire. Great book. Uh, Synchro Destiny, yes. And I actually did the course with Deepak, who my wife worked for Deepak. So I got to do that course for free, synchronistically and synchrodestinally, because, and then I learned synchrodestiny, which I already was teaching anyway. I just got to learn it from the master. So that's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, some, I mean, obviously you and I met for a reason, but it came about through, a, a, you know, a common friend, Michelle, who right. put together uh, some amazing programs. She's an amazing human being and somebody that I, I hope to bring on the show at some point. So your life, you know, you're involved in an in executive kind of, um, kind of a jack of all trades. You worked in industry before you ever got into the personal development. I know you were big in the landmark organization. And wasn't that Est before it was Landmark? I did the original. I did Est in 1980, you know, after a very terrible time in my life where you know, I got divorced and I was like, I didn't want to even live anymore. And that's when I found, I didn't even know about self-help work. I didn't even know it existed. And then somebody told me about it. They told me, told me about it. I went and it was, you know, just changed my life, you know, and it, uh, I knew after the first couple of weekends that I wanted to do whatever that was. I wanted to be like that guy on the stage, the Tony Robbins on the stage of his time. So, and I just did all the programs and then just stuck with it. And, uh, and then the truth kicked in and there you go. So, and then I just followed Synchro Destiny to get where I got in life. And it's just amazing. I mean, obviously you've had an amazing career. And when you were doing the Est stuff, right? I don't know if you were like me. I started out with Insight, which was also it's an NLP based thing. John Bandler was the guy who found that in Santa Monica, right? Very similar to S in the training. But when I got started in it, I got to be honest, I didn't, I was kicking and fighting. I'm like, I'm not doing this. My business partner said, you have to do this. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. 30 years old, going through a divorce and I was a bit of a mess and I, you got to do this. But there was a breaking point in that seminar for me. And I think people that really, get comfortable with personal development, people that, that make it a part of their life have a breaking moment. For me, it yeah. was being vulnerable. Like I, this seminar went Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and Monday night. And I'm thinking to myself, I do not want to give up time for this. I'm a young CEO, I'm successful, <laughs> and I don't want to go around and listen to people cry for four <laughs> days. You know? How insensitive of a brick was I? Uh, you know, I really, I really was. And it in the in the facilitator, I remember him going, 
hey, Frank, 99% a bitch. It's 100% or nothing. And he's looking right at me every single day. I knew he was. There's only 200 people in the room, but he's looking straight at me. And so Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, I don't do shit. I'm, I'm just people who take the microphone and they're sharing. What's this word? Sharing. They're crying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. And some of them were, had some great stories. But yet, Saturday morning was when I had my, we'll call it breakthrough. When there you go. Joey goes, who wants to share today? Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I had a, I had a mini little meltdown. I, I got in touch with some part of me that I, you know, I just never knew existed. I never knew I needed to work on it. Was there like a, a, a Joey moment for you where you're just like, okay, I'm doing est and, or, or did you yeah. surrender right from day one? You go in and say, look, screw it. Well, I'm just going to learn. Course, I'm going to learn. But, all right. Well, yeah, but it was the same thing. So I did, uh, you know, my, uh, my best friend ran away with my wife and I was suicide. So, and I didn't know anything about est or any, you know, stuff development work or anything else. So, so the guy invites me to go to this S thing. I, I'm not going to go to that, whatever it is. You know, but, but I said, well, whatever. I didn't tell him I was going, but I went. So, and I get to the first weekend and uh, Dr. Jeff comes up on stage. He's a former medical doctor who gave it up to be able to be tra a trainer for Werner Earhart. And, uh, and I didn't know anything what I was about to hear. Nothing. And he starts talking this truth and this stuff about life and all this stuff. And, and I didn't really understand it. But I knew it was true. I could tell he was speaking some truth and that I needed to know what he was teaching. And it still was confusing me because I was putting it through my filter of what I thought life should be like, as if I knew, because I was completely not successful at the time. <laughs> but, but I knew that he was speaking. I, I was excited. By the end of the weekend, I was singing his praises. I couldn't wait for the following weekend. Sure. It was every weekend. So I, I came the next weekend. and I was in between buzzing and bouncing off walls going, I, I don't know what I learned yet. But I know it was significant, and I want to know it. I want to be like him. So I get to the next weekend, and uh, this lady comes out on stage. And, of course, there were all kind of people that came on stage to announce things. And I figured this lady was about to announce Dr. Jeff. So she comes on stage. She goes, hi, I'm Laurel Sheaf, and I'm here to be your trainer this weekend. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? Where's Dr. Jeff? I came right. for Dr. Jeff. Not a woman. I thought, what does a woman know about life? I did this like not gonna happen. Oh, ouch. <laughs> so this was me at 30, you know, at 30 years old, right? 28 years, whatever I was, 30 years old. So anyway, so so now when she's talking through that filter of you know not honoring the feminine and you know having an opinion about her being on stage, it was filtering through everything she said. Was it Dr. Jeff? Wouldn't have said it that way. That wouldn't have. I mean, I'm come on. Where, where did this woman get? Where, where did she learn this stuff? But I'm thinking, and I was I, about two hours into it, I was ready to leave. Yeah. I just said, this is not working for me. And I uh, couldn't hear what she was saying. Even though pearls were coming out of her mouth, I didn't hear them as pearls. Right. So finally, ready. after about seven or eight hours, the guy next to me, she, and I was on the aisle. He got the microphone from the mic runner, and he's arguing, and he's talking, he's arguing with her. He's, and I, he's probably thinking the same thing I am. And at that, after about 10 minutes or so, he threw the microphone at the stage. I don't think he was trying to hit her. He was just frustrated. And I'm going, yeah, this is going to be good. So she calmly, <laughs> she calmly picks up the microphone and walks it down the aisle, about 10 rows down to where I was, because I was next to him. She handed it across me to him. And I'm sitting there like this. And she, for the next 20 minutes, proceeded to tear him into little bitty pieces with so much love and compassion, and truth, and honest. It was like, I was, and after about 10 minutes, I realized I was an asshole. 
<laughs> and it was like, and I kept like, not, not only is she amazing, I looked and saw all the women in my life and what they had been trying to say to me. And I said, oh my God, she's amazing. Women are amazing. I have been an asshole. And uh, so needless to say, it completely shifted my life. So that was that moment. And then I was so inspired. Now I listened to her. I honored her. I went back and I started honoring all the women in my life that I only had probably disrespected. If it wasn't overt. I wasn't a bad guy. I just treated them as women. And I was a guy and they were women. And uh, so, you know, and I woke up. But um, obviously that was probably the key teaming point. And then two years later, I finally had my real epiphany. And then from then, I've just been coaching ever since. So. That's great. Obviously, you've been doing this for, you know, 35 years. You've been a great coach. And, you know, a lot of this stuff comes second nature to you now at this stage in the game, right? I, I remember listening to Tony Robbins one time say, no matter who gets up to share, there's only 13 really t- different types of people. And once you understand 13 different methodologies, right, 13 different personality traits, there you, go. you know, they kind of fall into place. And I can, I can help guide them and help influence them because I recognize one of the 13 patterns here, you know, and I, I assume that, you know, now that you're 35 years into this thing, you probably see some similarities. One of the things that I hear a lot, especially during this pandemic, is people obviously want to start re-engineering their lives, if you will, and looking for that next chapter, looking for that next, that next skill set, right? And, and they're going, well, I can't be out in the public. I think I want to be a coach right? I think I want to do this. I, I, I know I have a skill in something and I'm always telling people, look, everybody wants to learn. And no matter what it is you do, and you do it really well, teach somebody how to do it because you have passion around it. It doesn't matter when you're, you can be a skateboarder. I don't care. You, you want to learn how to cook. You want to learn how to write a book. You want, you want to t- teach people, teach people how to just keep their house organized, teach people how to raise kids, teach people how to iron a shirt. I don't know. I'll teach people how to, you know. <laughs> it's not even, you said the key, it's not even teaching. It really is coaching. It really is coaching, that's, right? That's our desire. Our natural desire as human beings is to inspire, empower, certainly teach what we know, but in a way where it inspires and empowers, just not teaches them a skill. So, yeah. What are the two or three points that you would give somebody that's been sitting at home now, one of our listeners is sitting at home and going, you know what? Easy for you to say. You're an extrovert. You're outgoing, right? It's easy for you extroverts to be coaches. You, you overachievers are great to be coaches. Or you've, you've been practicing this thing, like you said, for 35 years. I don't have 35 years of personal development. What I have is 35 minutes of listening to this podcast. And you know what? I want to, I want to, and it's, by the way, one of the greatest things I've ever listened to. <laughs> but <laughs> is this Pavarotti I'm singing me a love ballad? No. It's Frank right. and Mike doing a podcast. <laughs> but aside of that, <laughs> so you're about the, what would we tell them? Huh? What would you? Yeah, what would you say to an aspiring, brand new coach? How do you get them past the? I think I can. I think I can. To, I'm yeah, doing well, it. All right. Well, here's the thing. Everybody, I promise you, I haven't met anybody who doesn't have that that desire inside of them. If they're very introverted, it's probably crushed down only by the fact that they don't believe that their introversion would allow them to be that. Not that it's missing. They have compassion, empathy. They want to be. They want to inspire people. Okay, so you can. That's a, a belief that you're an introvert. I've taken people who think they're introvert. Next thing you know, even if they have to go to a, you know a speaking course or whatever it would be, that we can break them. We may kick them from a ten to a to a sixty. Maybe we may not get them to a hundred like you and me and Tony. But as long as there's something more than twenty. Not that you can't do it from a 10, but you're not going to really inspire anybody. So we do have to get you to like break free of your 
fear of not being good enough. Oh, I'm introverted, whatever. We got to get a break for you. Mm-hmm. But everybody wants to be there. So my, my iPhone breaks yesterday. And so I go up to Verizon. And fortunately, there's nobody there. And there's a guy there. The, 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 the guy you know, greets me. And I tell him I need to get a new phone. And I'm playing with him. He's playing with me, the African-American guy with a great energy. And I already respect the people at Verizon anyway, these young guys that you know, they can take the phone apart, put it back together. It's like, I need to call my wife. Honey, I need some ID help. So, <laughs> so I'm being very respectful. I'm, I'm telling them we're having fun. You know, me, I'm joking with them. Anyway, about probably while we were recharging the phone and getting it up, he's going, so can I ask you, what do you do? Because, he goes, I got to tell you, I, I don't hear this wrong, but what do you do? I mean, there's, I said, I told him, he goes, Oh my God, really? He goes, uh, I've always wanted, I thought I've always wanted to do something like that. You know? And of course I just immediately gravitate toward that. Well, of course you can, because that would be a natural thing that you want to do. And to be quite honest, I'm always looking to inspire people of other cultures, especially the African-American culture, because there's not a whole lot there. You know, if you really look at the coaching industry, we're very privileged to have some great coaches from that culture, but not enough. And so any, so it's not a prejudice or anything, but this man had an energy. So I told him, so here's what it is. I will get you started. And he's thrilled to death. And I committed to giving that guy three sessions. That's and nice. it's going to be three sessions that's going to uh, unleash within him whatever he needs to start on that path in a mere three sessions. Now, he'll then have to go do whatever he does and everything else. But to answer your question, if you really got the bug, one thing you're going to have to do is don't quit the day job. <laughs> so many people say, burn the ships. You know, you just got to go out there and do it. Well, I have 14 billion coaches out there right now. And, you know, they all have one client. <laughs> <laughs> and no more ships. <laughs> Keep the ship. Keep so, the ship. But, but here's something people say, well, that's not a commitment. If you do that, then you're not sending the right message into the universe. Well, if you don't, you're sending the message into the universe scarcity because you can't find any client. I am not, look, if you're a career person and you already have, even if you're a consultant or anything else, or you got a lot of contact, and you're, then by all means, don't follow what I just said. And by I don't mean like a rule anyway. You know, as quickly as you can lose the day job and get into being full-time coaching, but get some clients first. So, but mostly that's just the technique of it, that you have it within you. You have to get past any fear that, you know, that you don't have what it takes. It's going to be all energy. You already know how to inspire and empower. There are some courses out there to learn some basics. There's different coaches. There are coaches that subscribe to certain coaching philosophies where you're really not doing any interaction, any interventions, anything like I do or like that. You're simply just listening to what they're saying, offering advice, feeding them back what it is. And it's still a beautiful way to coach. It's a beautiful way to coach. And that would be something where, you know, you're certainly not teaching any big king warrior, magician, lover. You're not teaching them intention, reaction. You're not doing any of those things, but you're... Bringing, but you're bringing your own expertise, the, the love in your heart to the party. You're honest, you're straightforward, you're intuitive. So you hear what's missing maybe with them. And you're saying, let me hear you. Let me tell you what I'm hearing. And then you just have the courage to say that. Phenomenal. That would be a great coach. But in that case, the answer is just put it out there and then find some people and then put your shingle up there and declare yourself a coach. If you think you need to do some courses, CTI, so many beautiful courses out there you can take. And by all means, do that. You can put yourself in Robin's Madonna's, which is going to teach you more of the spiritual and the deeper level of psychology coaching. I recommend that. But start it up on the side and start coaching everybody and anybody. That's the way I started back when I first got conscious. We'd be out having parties. We'd be on the back of the boat. And I'd be coaching people on the back of the boat. 
They just kept bringing me people. Yeah. I kept coaching people and coaching people and coaching. Never you're charged the, a penny for 15 years. You were the great and powerful Oz. If people coming to you. There's you know? a great and powerful <laughs> Oz on the back of the boat. <laughs> on the back of the boat. <laughs> no, but I get it, you know, because I can't help when I go out with my friends. I can't help, you know, if I'm at a, at a bar or I'm hanging out on a boat or on a beach or something and there's a crowd and people just start talking, I, I automatically kind of go into – that's a great idea. What you're doing is amazing. Tell me more about that. And when people tell them more about, you know, you, you're dragging out, not dragging out, but you're, you're inspiring them just by the level of questioning that you're doing to tap into the things that they love to do. Before you know it, they're like, oh my God, how do you know so much? I go, I didn't know anything. I just asked you the question and you lit up. You still came from a place of listening powerfully to interpret what they're saying and what, what belief they have that you're now going to poke at that it's a belief you just heard them say. Absolutely. And they have a belief that you're going to poke at that and you're going to dissect it because you have that skill. So, But I want people to know that would sometimes stop people from being coaches because they don't they have that skill. I'm saying you do. Unleash it. Know you have it. You may not have perfected it yet, but if you just hear what somebody's saying and have the courage to say, here's what I just heard. What you just said is you can't do what it is you, you, you think you're going to do. Okay, so right away you might as well not even start. But that's okay. But then you make them realize that that's that would anybody would have that fear. Anybody would have that belief. So you got to not own that. That's not your personal belief. That's a belief that you've been conditioned to believe. So all we have to do is yeah. get you to let go of that. Now that's when I take them through processes I've invented to make them disappear. But I share those processes. You can be, buy my book. You can get my program off my. You know, and, and there's, you can learn this stuff. I you come to me and I can teach it to you so quick. I don't. I, I I'm an in and out guy. I don't take people on for forty. Robbins will give me clients with, you know, like 30 some sessions where they're like, what am I going to do for them with the next 20? I mean, it's like, cause I'm, <laughs> I, I teach people to fish. I don't know. You know, and I've had clients for 12, 15 years. Yeah. But obviously they're not, we're not working on something to break them free of something. Now we're doing business coaching. What's next in life coaching? How do we, that kind of stuff. But as far as starting out being a coach to work with people in their psychology and breaking them through you, whatever they're, they're stuck in, that is something anybody can do with a minor amount of, of training and a major amount of intention and a big heart. A major amount of intention and a big heart. And like you said earlier, like, and I've heard this thrown around in an organization called Unblinded with Sean Callagy, who, by the way, is an incredible influencer. But one of the things that came out of his training was level five listening. And that's really paying attention, shutting up and just listening to what people are telling you. And really, you know, t tuning in to what their hero story is. What they're telling it to you for a reason. They want you to know about that. Pay attention. Listen to it. You know, and I think if and once you start to peel that onion just through a series of questions, you get people to tap into their own inner strengths and their own wisdom, and and then they'll feel, you know, obviously like there's a bond and rapport and, and a connection, and and that's when you can influence people. And that's you know that's and that's a beautiful state, right? Well, especially so, when they are listening and they are outflowing. Mm -hmm half of what they're outflowing is going to be revealing their limiting beliefs. So you're also hearing their intention, their courage, and what it is they want to do and what's block, or what's blocking them is those limiting beliefs. We've all heard that term and it's way overused because people don't really know what it is you're listening for, but it really is just the conditioning that causes Now You're hearing that and now you're pointing that out to them. And it's not just pointing it out where they, well, okay, that's good that you pointed that out, but I still have it. So what we have to do is go in and take it away. And the way we take it away is make sure they're clear of what the source of that limited belief was. And once we do that, now it just goes away and now they're free. So cured, healed. Coaching is most correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, really, it really is. It's amazing. I, I get I really two, three, four sessions 
people are free. I mean, I don't take forever here. And we get it. And then we start working on what it is they want to accomplish because we don't have them go accomplish it. So many coaches think, well, create a plan. And let's, did you, what kind of action did you take between this call and the next call, the last call? What did you do? Did you follow your, did you say, keep your word to yourself? Now that's all good stuff. But the reason they don't keep them word, the word to themselves is fear, limiting beliefs. They don't have the confidence to do it, all that stuff. So if you just simply side them test, and when they go out, you know, either do it or don't do it, you, you do that later. First, we got to clear out the mind trash by just keeping them from taking that action anyway. Exactly. So that's uh, Get them to their purpose, right? Get them to what the purpose is of doing it in the first place. Why are you doing this, right? Absolutely. They, they will reveal what it is, what their limiting beliefs are. So you just simply point that out. And people will see that that's what they're doing. And then they're, they're more than willing to step beyond that stuff. And then we teach them how and what's going on. And it's, it's, I can't remember having anybody that you know, heard it and then said, oh, I don't want to let go of that limiting belief. Right. <laughs> so, Mike, again, thanks for all the, the wisdom today you know, and the laughs. What's the next chapter for Mike Nitty? What's like, what's, where are you going in your life? What's, what's the next big thing for you? Well, I'm privileged to have – look, I was, I'm so blessed to have been doing what I've been doing for so long that – the next was more of the same forever. You know, working with Tony, it's like, okay, well, let's let's stop working for this little tiny small guy, who was, <laughs> and let's go find a real leader. Well, so you know, there really wasn't much upside from Tony. So I was so happy to just be one of his top coaches and to do what I do for so long that there was no like, oh, I'm settling for something. But, gee, I'm settling for having a, an amazing life with an amazing wife, working for an amazing person. Boy, I'm settling. Yeah, you got so a troubled life. There was not much of it. But then I was fortunate to meet some people that invited me to do other things as a podcast. And then I met Michelle. And through my amazing relationship with Michelle, we started the mastermind. And uh, now I had an, an expansion into something where there was a partnership with somebody and, and watched her grow, you know, supported her and her growth. And she's just amazing. And then so we had the mastermind where I was able to meet more than just the people of my, my clients and those referrals from them and friends. And I was also doing some speaking even before then. Uh, right. with another guy, and that was allowing me to expand. But then now, with the advent of all the podcasts and the, you know, and, and everything that's happening now, there is so much else available. To be honest with you, I'm just allowing synchro destiny to suck me into whatever's next. That doesn't mean I'm devoid of any vision. It's just that I, you know, I'll, I'll measure it, weigh it, see what it might be. Sure. But um, it's going to, I'll tell you one thing, it's going to be more of the same, just at a higher level and include people like yourself and other people who are high-level players where you know we're able to change more lives, do whatever we might do together, and have it be something that's even grander. But uh, I'm still going to do it mostly from the comfort of this wonderful desk here in Las Vegas because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I live in Las Vegas. People come see me. I don't have to go see them. <laughs> Why don't you move away from the snow, man? It's never, I'm not coming back to it. Sorry. You know, <laughs> That's it. Well, Mike, I appreciate you being on the show today. You are definitely, like I said, you are the Bill Belichick of the coaching world. And I, I've learned so much from you in the last couple of years getting to know you. It's really an honor to hang out with you. And we joke back and forth quite a bit. We've done some lives where we've poked fun at each other. And uh, <laughs> in the Facebook Live Challenge, if you guys ever want to sign up for something that's just fun, check that out on Facebook called the Facebook Live Challenge. And you'll hear me and Mike battle the battle of wits that he still wishes to win someday. And <laughs> Mike, how can people get a hold of you? They want more. Obviously, your book is on Amazon, The Trophy Effect. It's amazing. Yeah. Go on Amazon, get it. Yeah. You'll love it. And how else Thank can people you. get a hold of you? Well, the easiest way is Facebook. You know, find me on Facebook because I also post 
an inspirational, original teaching every day. That is, uh, people tend to love those. And uh, I give that away for free. So, you know, come on, you know, just friend me or even just come on and find my, you don't have to friend me, just find my Michael Nitty Las Vegas and walk away with some of uh, the inspiration that I leave every day. Also then, you know, obviously my website, intentionquest.com. But uh, Facebook's better because you get so much spam on the website and everybody wants to sell me something. So I tell you, if I got to sort through so many <laughs> emails on the website, if you really want me, find me on Facebook. Awesome. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, we'll definitely be checking you out again. Again, thank you so much for being orange, for orange crushing it today. My guest, Mike Nitty, <laughs> check him out on Facebook and get his book, The Trophy Effect. Mike, thanks again. Appreciate having you here. Thank you, buddy. Always a privilege. Invite me back. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. We'll get more we'll get more All banter right. again on the next one. Thanks everybody yeah, from yeah, Mike. Yeah. Stay inspiring, my friend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe. Share it with your best buds and please write a badass review. You can also reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, all.